0: So our worship in the Word will come in two phases this morning. I'm going to start by just giving some expository notes that will help us to think about these last uh, several verses of the Gospel of John chapter 12. I want to lay this expository way out so that we're able to then meditate on the big takeaway that flows from these expository notes. So, in your notes, I'm actually just going to read that first paragraph that you have there because it's, it's just a way of summarizing this passage uh, in a way that I, I trust will be helpful to us. This section is a passionate plea summarizing some of the main teachings of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus proclaims the inextricable union between He, he and His Father conveying the Father as the source of His teaching. Whoever sees, hears, and believes Jesus also sees, hears, and believes the Father. Jesus relates His sayings and Word with the light that rescues believers from blinding darkness. To reject His Word is to reject Him and the light He offers as well as the Father who sent him. The word or commandment Jesus came to proclaim is eternal life. He did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This message of salvation is eternal life to those who believe and condemnation to those who reject his message. Look with me, please, at the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in Me, believes not in Me, but in Him who sent Me. And whoever sees Me, sees Him who sent Me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has... Himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So I give you three uh, headings to capsulize or capture this text. We're not going to return to it. This is the entryway into our time of meditation. In verses 44 through 46, Jesus, the light sent from the Father, rescues believers from darkness. In verses 47 and 48, Jesus came to save the world from the judgment we accrue for ourselves. In verses 49 and 50, Jesus is the message of eternal life, a command issued from the Father. Thus ends phase one. Of our worship in the Word. Now, from that truth, I want for us to see the depth of meaning and the main message that God wants to convey. Both Pastor Jeff and myself want to exposit God's Word. You can get a commentary if you want all the details. Our responsibility as shepherds is not only to exposit, but then to to see and hold out for ourselves and for you the glory of our God so we would worship Him. Our gathering together is for the purpose of worshiping our God, and we worship our God through worshiping the one He sent, His Son and our Savior. And so this morning, I want for us to do that again From these truths, we will now seek to worship God as we understand the importance of what is proclaimed here. People are always looking for a hero. You can see it in the way that stories are told. In the way movies are scripted. You can see it in terms of sports and entertainment and even politics. This next man or woman will herald and champion the things that I value. People are looking for someone to rescue them, to fight for them, to win the day for them. What we see here, and we're not surprised, is that our hero, our champion, is Jesus. The title of our worship in the Word this morning is Jesus equals salvation. It could have easily been titled Jesus equals life or Jesus equals eternal life, but I narrowed in on Jesus equals salvation. It is His action, His mission, His message. Our text connects explicitly the union of God the Father with God the Son. He does that in verses 44, 45, and 46, as well as verses 49 and 50. It's tying them together explicitly, very clearly. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, is essentially what it says. If you hear me and you believe me, you hear the Father and you believe the Father. That's explicit. Implicitly, there's also the, the reality that it is tying together the whole of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks of Jesus and the Gospel of John does so as well. The Bible speaks of Jesus as the exposition or declaration of the Father. We saw this in John chapter 1 in verse 18 where God's word says, "No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known." The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. There's a reference to Jesus being a declaration, an exposition of the Father. If you want to know who, what God is like, look at Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, and verse 15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You want to see God, who is not seen? Look at Jesus. He's the image of God. Of the invisible God. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, he's the radiance. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And it says he's the exact imprint of his person. So clear. If you want to know about God, you and I must look to Jesus. Now the people of the first century in that area, that localized area, saw with their eyes Jesus, the image of Of the Father, Jesus, the declaration of the Father. They saw with their eyes. You and I, we don't see with our physical eyes. We read in the text of Scripture and we follow him through the Gospels and and really through all of the sections of Scripture, but the Gospel's very clearly showing Jesus in his works and his words, and we're seeing God on display. When Jesus is seen and heard and believed, the Father is seen and heard and believed. We've read the text already, verses 44 and 45 as well as 49 and 50. Jesus came on this mission and the words he spoke were not simply his own. He spoke what he was given to speak. He came on this mission. He was given a commandment from the Father. What to speak What to say. And that commandment is singular. That commandment is eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is the message from the Father to you. I would be right in saying he is the message of God to the world. But I want you to think about it. Jesus is the message of God to you right now. Jesus as salvation is the very message of God. You see it in verse 46. I have come into the world as light. I have come into the world as light. I bring the light of God into this world of darkness. It's a darkness that's pervasive. We talked about it last week. All around us. But far more troubling is not the darkness that surrounds us, but the darkness that is within us. You can wash the outside of the cup and still remain with dead men's bones. It's from within that corruption spills out. Not that corruption comes in. The corruption is already there. The darkness is already there. Jesus came to shine into the world of darkness, but he came to shine into my world of darkness. Take a look at John chapter 1 just for a moment. Jesus is the message of God. He is salvation, and he is the message of God. He has come into the world as light, light to shine in the darkness in John chapter one the The, the glorious gospel began with the very first verse in the beginning was the word or Lagos. the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and so we have the 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 demonstration of the message right from the beginning. Jesus is the Word. He's the Word incarnate. The way things ought to be, the things that make sense. He is all of that. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He is that light. He is that message. He is that Lagos. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen. His glory. The glory is of the only begotten, coming forth from, begotten of the Father. And he was and is full of grace and truth. This is who he is. He's the message of God. Truth incarnate and grace incarnate. All that God is pictured in Jesus, seen in Jesus. Look at verses 16 through 18. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And the word is grace, grata, grata. I messed it up, caris, anti-caris. Grace instead of grace. We've talked about that. It's, It's like the waves of the seashore. One wave replaces another one. One's going out, another one's coming in. Grace upon grace upon grace that's who he is verse 17 for the law was given through moses but grace and truth came through jesus christ no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the father's side he has made him known and so we see jesus coming into the world and bringing light he is the very message of god in hebrews chapter one it starts this way long ago in many ways At many times God spoke to the fathers, to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, listen carefully, He has spoken to us in His Son. need a message? You're feeling hopeless? You're hurting? You're anxious? Feeling like death is winning? Feeling like evil is winning? You feel like everything is collapsing around you? You feel hopeless and helpless? you feel that? God says, here's my message to you. Look at my son. You need salvation. He is salvation. He is the very message of God. The message or commandment of the triune God is eternal life. Head back to John 12. In verses 49 and 50, this is so amazing. Verse 49, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has Himself given me a commandment. He's telling Jesus what to say and what to speak, and I know that His commandment is eternal life. Very clear. Very simple. Take away all the outside noise. Belichick's message to his team through the years is, do your job. There's noise, there's complication. People complicate everything. They're speaking and trying to get the team to fight amongst themselves and trying to pit this one against that one. I remember back in 2003, uh, Tom Jackson said, they hate their coach. That was the rallying cry for the team. Do your job. One simple commandment. Don't worry about His job. Do yours. And Jesus, the Son of Man, came into the world. He had one job. Bring forth salvation. God in the flesh. Did He do it? Did He do it? Does God fail? Can God fail? Absolutely not. Jesus is salvation. The message is eternal life. In John chapter 17 and verse 3, Jesus prays to the Father and he says, And this is eternal life, that they know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Take a look at John chapter 6 for a moment. This is. captures this essence of Jesus as the message of eternal life Jesus as the not only the message but the substance of eternal life John chapter 6 you know you remember that this comes on the heels of Jesus feeding the 5,000 there's a lot of discussion that took place Jesus was getting ready to show we're going to separate some things out now So He starts to talk about how they needed to consume Him, to eat Him, to partake in Him. If they were going to live, they were going to have to eat the flesh of the Son of Man, which is confusing to say the least. The messages were too hard for many people and they departed. But listen to these words starting in verse 63. Words of Jesus and then we'll have an interaction following in verse 63 it is the spirit who gives what life the flesh is no help will you say it with me at all the words that i have spoken to you are what spirit and life the words i have spoken to you are spirit and life it comes from the spirit the flesh is no help the, the flesh actually contradicts that message over and over but the spirit is life And the words Jesus spoke are spirit and truth. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Look back at chapter 5. Jesus is describing the message he has as life, and that is exactly how Peter understands it. You're the one who... When you speak, you're speaking the words of eternal life. We can't find eternal life anywhere but the words you speak. And Jesus confirms that same reality just the chapter previous in John chapter 5. Take a look at verses 36 and following. It says, but the testimony that I have, that which bears witness about me, that which speaks forth about me, that testimony I have is greater than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I am doing bear witness. They scream out about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he himself bore witness about me. So now we have his works testifying and, and the Father testifying. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe the one Whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. (laughs) And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's not just that Jesus' words are life. They are. It's not just that what Jesus speaks forth is the avenue toward life. He Himself is life. He is eternal life. He is the message. Which is why week after week after week, no matter what text we are in, we're going to come back to the message the message that is Jesus Christ Jesus explicitly told us in John 11:25 I am the resurrection and the life Jesus equals salvation Now back in John chapter 12, we've got this message coming forth. It's commissioned by God. It's commended by God. This message coming forth. Jesus is the message. The message is eternal life in Jesus. Right in the middle of John chapter 12 in this paragraph that we're studying, Jesus did not come to judge the world but to save the world. Jesus did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Verses 47 and 48. If anyone hears my words, now the Greek term there is rhema. You could translate it sayings. Spoken sayings. If anyone hears these spoken sayings of mine and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who... Rejects me and does not receive my words. There's Rama again. These spoken sayings of mine. If you reject these so- spoken sayings of mine, you have a judge. He has a judge. And you know what the judge is? The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Now, that word is not Rama and it's not Grafe. So, Rama, spoken sayings. Grafe, written sayings, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, it's profitable. It is Lagos, the message of God will judge him on the last day. The Lagos, rhema, 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 words, 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 sayings, sayings, sayings. You, you hear my sayings, you don't believe my sayings. You, you hear my sayings, you don't, you don't gather, you don't treasure my sayings. You don't keep my sayings. Words, words, words. These sayings are coming forth, you reject my sayings. I'm not going to judge him, he says. The message, the Lagos that has come forth, that was in the beginning with the Father. That Lagos that has been revealed. That Lagos that took on flesh and tabernacled Among us, that one that was full of grace and truth, that Lagos, that is the declaration of the Father, that Lagos that fulfilled the commandment of the Father to bring forth eternal life, that Lagos is what will judge Him. Jesus is speaking of His mission and the mission was to save He did not come to judge, He came to save. He says the same thing in John 3.17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus doesn't bring condemnation and judgment. There are lots and lots of judgments and condemnations for the taking. Accusations fly around daily in multitude. The scriptures talk about them in various ways. If you think about it this way, in John chapter 5 and verse 45, Jesus spoke about this. Moses accuses us. The law accuses. Listen to these words. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses. On whom you have set your hope. You think the law is going to save you. And all it does is accuse you. The law was a schoolmaster. A tutor to say, come this way. You need help. The law was to expose our sin. To show us our weakness. Our helplessness and our hopelessness. God says... "The." This law, which is good, was weakened by your flesh. So I need to do what the law, the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. The law simply exposes. And people want to cling to the law as though it gives life. So what he says. You, you've placed your faith in Moses, who can't save you. But the law was to introduce you to Jesus, who has done everything necessary to save you. Moses accuses you. You know, our own thoughts accuse us. You know it. (laughs) You know it, right? Because you know you. You don't know you as well as maybe you need to know you. And I don't know me as well as I need to know me. But you are exposed to yourself on a regular basis. And what happens is your thoughts do one or the other thing. Ready? They either excuse you. Oh, you didn't mean it. It's really not that bad. It's not as bad as that other person. I'm really doing kind of okay. I'm way better than I was. You excuse it away. But the reason you're excusing it away because is because there's something else that's going on. Your thoughts accuse you. You're not what you ought to be. You have got problems like the rest of us. Your thoughts either excuse you or accuse you. And that can be hard. Because you can't get away from your thoughts. There is rescue here. Jesus equals salvation, okay? We'll get there. Think a little bit further, right? Moses accuses you. Your thoughts accuse you. Then you have Satan accusing you. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before God. I saw what he did. Did you see what he did? He violated your law again and again and again. He says he's one of those Christ followers, but look at him. Look at him. He's just like the rest of them. There's nothing worthy of redeeming there. He's worthy of condemnation, accusations coming before the throne. And then you know what else accuses us? Our works. The best of what we bring to the table accuses us. Take a look, please, with me at Revelation chapter 20. We're thinking about the message of God. Jesus is the message of God. Jesus is the salvation of God, and yet we have all these accusations coming our way, both from within us and from without us, but even what we do accuses us. Revelation 20, look at verses 11 and following. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, significant and insignificant, wealthy and unwealthy, intellectual and less, beautiful and less, handsome and less, strong and weak. You get the idea of small and great standing before the throne, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what he had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged Each of them, according to what he had done, what was written in the books, graphe, it's actually a perfect tense, what stands written in the books, what remained written in the books, the works that served to condemn were written down and they stayed there. Because they had not been taken out of the way and replaced with a different word. They stood written, our works, condemning. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire. Oh, let's let's think about this before we get to verse 15. What would tell a person if their works would stand the test and receive some attaboy and not a I never knew you? The work screaming out. I'm not sure if I have done enough. I hope I'll make it. I hope I will have made the grade. This feels very, very dreary. And in fact, it is. What would tell a person they've done enough to gain entrance into eternal life? Isaiah and Paul answer your question. Our works in Isaiah 64 are filthy rags. And our works in Philippians chapter 3 are a pile of dung. Our works serve to accuse and condemn. Our works earn us condemnation. But this passage does not say that they were judged only by what they had done, but they were judged by what really mattered. In verse 15, the word graphe is used again. In verse 15 it says, and if anyone's name was Not found written in the book of life. He was thrown to the lake of fire. The real judgment is related to where our name is written. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says this. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Believed in the name of the only Son of God. Believed in the salvation of God. Jesus has come not to judge the world, but to save the world. We accrue a judgment for ourselves, and our minds know it, and the law of Moses exposes it, and Satan points to it, and our works declare it. But Jesus came to rescue us from all of that accusation. Jesus came to save. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the very familiar, it's on your Christmas cards. She shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Jesus came into the world, according to Luke 19.10, to seek and to save that which is lost. All My accusing thoughts, all My accusing works, all the accusations from the law, that show me that I'm not enough. all the accusations that come from Satan. He came into the world to save us. In First John chapter four and verse 14, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. In 1 Timothy 3, uh, 1.15, this is a trustworthy saying. It's worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like me. And I'm the chiefest, the foremost. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 9 for a moment. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture here about Jesus and the salvation He is. Hebrews chapter 9, look at verses 26 and following. It says, For then he would have to have suffered repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages. Will you read the next four words with me? To put away sin. To put it away. To remove it from the record. So that when, when the books are opened, there's not a record of my sin. It's been taken out of the way, it's been nailed to the cross. Colossians chapter 2 says Forgiveness. He, he comes as the message of God's forgiveness, taking it out of the way. How? By the sacrifice of of himself and just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment so christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin because it's been dealt with but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus jesus is salvation he did not come to judge But to save. God has issued his message. It is his Son. He is eternal life. He is salvation. He is the Logos. All of Jesus' ministry was about opening people's eyes to see the salvation of God found in him. He's the message, He is life, He is salvation. Now what's interesting and important to understand is the message of salvation is freeing and life-giving its salvation to those who believe. But it is also condemnation to those who disbelieve, who reject. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, come to me. Come to me. He says, God sent his son of the world, to save the world. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not, shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the reality. Jesus is that message. In this section, in John 12, it's a summary of Jesus' teaching. It ties together so many themes that are woven throughout the Gospel of John, right into this paragraph, but it's a call to see Jesus as everything. Everything you need. Your mind will try to condemn you, but Jesus came to save you from those accusations. The law screams out, condemned. But Jesus, the message of Jesus came to cancel the record of debt that stood against us, taking it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. Satan will cry out, guilty! But Jesus, as our advocate, declares, forgiven, righteous. Your works will betray you, and your works will condemn you, like mine do, but you and I don't stand on our own righteousness But his. Believer. Believer. Are you ready for this? You. Are. Righteous. This is his gift of grace to you. Jesus is salvation. Tomorrow morning. When you. Feel the accusations of your heart screaming out at you, remind yourself that Jesus has declared you forgiven and righteous. We can remember that we've been freed to live in newness of life. We can expose ourselves to a God who is at work transforming us It starts in our minds as we see Him as sufficient and enough and safe. And I say, God, help me. And when my heart and my mind are exposed to believing my Savior, God does His work of transforming us because we no longer rely upon our own unrighteous methodologies and our own unrighteous flesh, but on Him. You know, there's another important implication of this mercy and grace that we have received. God has freed us to become channels of His mercy to forgive and love others. Think about the abundance and the freedom that you have felt in knowing that God knows everything about you And has forgiven you fully. God enables you as a grateful recipient of that kind of mercy. To look at others with that same picture and say. My spouse, my children, my neighbor, my co-worker needs this same mercy that I have experienced. Look at the freedom that it has given to me. Look at the freedom that it can give to them. God has freed us to be able to impact others with the same mercy that we've received. And what I'd say to you and to myself, freely you have received, freely give. Let's pray together. Father, you are amazing. Your Son is amazing. Thank you for not only changing the records to where my record is one of righteousness, you've eliminated the guilt and the shame and the condemnation associated with all of those actions that my works accrued. Father, I pray for each one here this morning that know you as Savior, that you would give us Joy, rejoicing, freedom, encouragement that come from realizing who our Savior is and what he has accomplished. And we do ask that you would help us to be channels of that same mercy and grace and kindness and love in our homes and in the world about us for your glory and the good of each one we encounter. We commit ourselves and our worship to you. Transform us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.